0: high and tight back with you on another sunday in columbia missouri thank you for joining in logan prone wilson strong another week we're gonna talk everything baseball and then some a lot to get to this week man it was a interesting walk here though i gotta start with that very icy in columbia no salt on any of the sidewalks i'm slipping everywhere on my way here right I'm slipping around. My shoes are wet. I wore white shoes, mind you. That was a big mistake. White shoes in this kind of weather—it's gonna—is it supposed to snow today, Wilson? I oh,
1: don't know.
0: Well, all I know is I'm wearing white shoes. Made a big mistake doing that. I get here. I'm like, I just need a coffee. So I put four dollars in the vending machine just to get a little Starbucks coffee, a little double shot of espresso. It doesn't get me my espresso. It just says clothes after I put the four dollars in. And I'm like, okay, cool, that's fine. Spits me out $4 worth of dimes and nickels. <laughs> so we know that I'm not having a good day.
1: Wait, no quarters?
0: No, no quarters. And I, it gave me one nickel, which doesn't add up.
1: No, it doesn't.
0: It really doesn't. So that's my morning. That wait, was my first pitch.
1: Wait, did you count it at least or no?
0: Listen, I didn't bother, but you know I'm going to do it when, as soon as this show is over. I'm going out and I'm counting my quarters. I, see my dimes.
1: I bet it's not even close to 4 bucks. You want to bet that?
0: Yeah, I'll give you the money if it's not four bucks.
1: Okay, deal. All right, deal. Shake it. Let's shake. I'll
0: shake it. Y'all can't see this, but we're shaking on that. I really... Well, I know it's not four, but, like, if it, it has to be at least four, because I don't know why there's a nickel in there.
1: If it isn't, you're giving me all that
0: money. I am going to give you all that money in change. Listen, I'm a sucker for change, so, like, I would have taken it. Oh, wow. But anyway, we're going to start off by talking about Something that uh, came up this week regarding the Cubs. Joe Rickett, part of the family that owns the Cubs, uh, found to have Islamophobic, very insensitive stuff regarding that. I believe it was in emails?
1: It was emails.
0: Emails, yes. Very, you know, it's just not a good situation for the Cubs. uh, Not a good situation for the league in general. Wilson you know a little bit more about this than I do. Can you give us uh, your take on what this means, what the league should do? Give us your opinions.
1: So as of right now, Tom Ricketts has said that his dad does is not involved in any operations of the Chicago Cubs at any moment. And from, obviously we have to make sure our word is safe. We have to know the facts, but right now we do not know a, a lot of facts right now. But, my biggest takeaway from this incident so far is, it reminds me of the Donald Sterling incident with the Clippers and the NBA a couple years ago. This brings me up to maybe this is this is Donald Sterling level of a problem for the league. Obviously, what I think should happen right now, I would ex- expect some sense of sensitivity training with Ricketts a $2 million fine, which is the max, according to MLB policy, a, a couple months of comu- community service. And I, I just looked at it so far. He has already went to a Muslim group, and he has apologized about those emails. And right now, we have, obviously, we have to mo- know more of the facts about this incident, but that's my biggest takeaway so far.
0: I agree with you. It's definitely not a situation that, you know, the Cubs wanted to face. And he should go through some sensitivity training. Some sort of fine should be imposed. But overall, I think it's just a bad look for the league. Again, you see a lot of things in the NFL, the NHL, not the NHL, the NBA, more more or less so, uh, where you're having these types of issues. I'm not saying Major League Baseball is above them, but you don't see this as often in Major League Baseball. So for the league to... Go through something like this, uh, have to deal with an incident where, hey, you know they can't just let him off the hook. It's it does not look good. Now, do I think it's you know the end all be all that an old cranky rich white dude, you know, said some of these stuff? I'm not saying it's okay, but like the um, it's good that the league's stepping in, and not just letting this slide.
1: Yeah, and uh, I I want to clarify something that I said. He met with Muslim executive, actually like c- Cubs, Cubs execs, met with Muslim communities at the leaders of Muslim communities yesterday. Like okay, I want to clarify that real quick. And I know, I know we don't tr- we tr- we try not to bring politics into sports, but right now since we know like the Rickets, they're a they a huge Republican Republican. Right winged family. Yeah, right winged family. This is a bad look also for Republicans because, Logan, of course, I know you're you're one too. So, like,
0: call me out on air like that.
1: I'm sorry, man, but <laughs> I say, like, this is a bad look for Republicans. Like, I know we have this whole presidency problem with Donald Trump right now, but. Big at, divide, yeah. Yeah, at the same time, like, I respect Republicans on subjects, and at the same time, this is a bad look for Republicans and for Major League Baseball. Which is right, has been a conservative party league f- for the past couple years.
0: Yeah. Ag- again, it's just an ugly situation. That, again, and this is, again, it brings politics into sports. Here, here's the thing I'm watching a baseball game to be entertained. Now, granted, people are going to say baseball is boring. You know, have your opinion. But for me, I can sit there and watch and I know, Wilson, we talked about this earlier, I can sit there and watch 162 games plus the postseason and just be so intrigued. I don't want to care. I don't want to give any you know, regard to politics when I'm watching baseball. I don't like this situation because not only is it ugly for multiple parties, but it takes away from the fact that this is just a game. I'm just trying to have some fun watching this game. Like, heck, I still even play it. I, I'm just trying to have fun. I'm trying to be entertained. So for me, it's just a very ugly situation that brings politics into a place where politics should not be affected or should not be affecting the atmosphere.
1: And I think if you look at it, I I know we we talked about the NFL and their uh, national anthem protests a couple years ago. It has died down for a while now. We also talk about. Uh, the NBA with LeBron James, stuff like that. Like This is the first time politics has come into baseball.
0: In a major way, because we did have, I uh, can't remember the player's name, one of the athletics players took oh, a knee. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, Maxwell, I think. He's uh, I, I, a catcher, I know. Yeah, he was a catcher.
0: The, the thing there was, that was the first time we really saw that in baseball, because it was a big headline, like, oh, he was the first player to do such a thing. Well, granted, I'm not saying his right you know he had he shouldn't have protested. I think that was a he used his platform. That's what you should do. Use your platform.
1: It was his first amendment right. Let's be honest.
0: Correct. He used his platform exactly. He had the right to do it, but for, that was the first time I really saw politics and ideology come into baseball. And and not not because of what he did, but because of the conversation that split people up. Come on, baseball is a unifier. We have the World Baseball Classic for Christ's sakes.
1: And uh, the catcher's name, by the way, is Bruce Maxwell.
0: Bruce Maxwell. I believe it was on, the, like, the last game of the season, too, so it's...
1: It was, like, it was, I'm pretty sure it was it August. It happened in August. It was August. late. It was
0: yeah. late. It was kind of like, you're late to the party, but, hey, he did it. Nonetheless, started a conversation that, you know, a lot of people think we need to have. Uh, but, again, I prefer to keep, you know, ideologies, uh, stuff like that. Just keep it out of sports. I mean, like here's the thing. I'm not saying for athletes who have a position not to use their platform. I'm saying, you know, this is a game. We're just trying to have fun. Spark the conversation. Just try and keep it out of the you know, keep it out of the actual sport.
1: And in other news, guess who who finally joined the Philadelphia Phillies?
0: We'll get to that later. I thought we were gonna go to the Machado deal. What does the Machado offer? I thought you were going that way. Machado's offer. Oh. Seven to eight years from the Yankees. We're right ahead on our notes there, pal. Sorry. Seven to eight years. You're, <laughs> you're getting excited.
1: We'll get into your... Y-
0: My Phillies later. We'll get into them later. Nonetheless, seven to eight years, $220 million, rumored to be the offer from the Yankees to Manny Machado. Now, whether or not he takes that deal, we know he had interest with the Yankees. Whether or not he takes that deal is yet to be had. Wilson, give us your take. Will Machado sign with the Yankees? Does that make them better than the Red Sox?
1: First off, he would if right now the Yankees, they have said on the record that they would not go past the luxury tax, which is set at two two hundred five mil this offseason. Right now, they're at two fifteen, so they're way past the luxury tax, mm-hmm. so they can just go ahead and go after Machado now. There's no, like, I, early, earlier this offseason, I have said that they wouldn't go past go get Machado because of luxury tax concerns. Well, guess what? After, after they signed DJ LeMahieu, it they went past the, the luxury tax and right now, they, they, there's no point and they could just sign May Machado. Now, as to if they're, they are better than the Red Sox, if they if they do get Machado, I think they are better th- than the Red Sox because right now, as of right now, you would have Machado at third, Troy Troy Tulewisky and Didi Gregorius at short, DJ Lemayhu and Glaver Torres at second, and maybe a Greg Bird, Luke Voigt at at first. That's a decent that's a decent infield right now, but and. They could use Andujar as a trade chip to get a Madison Bumgarner who, who could help their starting rotation right now, which it looks good still. But they start pitching; you still can prove in pitching. I think that that's what I, my biggest takeaway. If they go after, if they do sign Manny Machado,
0: well, I think if they do sign Manny Machado, they are better than the Red Sox. I think they're going to win the AL East outright. Simply put, the addition of a guy like Machado to a team is huge. Nonetheless, you know, without a doubt, it's huge. You add the fact that you have a veteran in Troy Chalewiski to platoon with Gregorius before Gregorius comes back from his injury. A really good second baseman in DJ Lamehu who who can swap time with Gleyber Torres and DJ Lamehu who is... A, you know, versus old player, you can play him virtually anywhere. I mean, I wouldn't put him on the mound, but, you know, virtually anywhere nope. you can play this man. Greg Bird, Luke Voigt, platooning at first. I think sharing time until you find yourself a solid first baseman. And then, of course, your outfield. Gardner, Judge, Stanton. Hicks. Hicks. You're looking at a lineup with power-hitting guys, guys that are going to get on base consistently consistently, D.J. Lomehu D.D. glorious And, I mean, Didi can hit the ball really well, too. He can hit the ball out of the park, you know, no question. I just think that, and again with the bullpen, I think the bullpen comes into play. You're talking Chapman, Adovino, Britton, all those guys really do make a difference at the end of the day if this team's going to be better than the Red Sox. And, again, because here's the thing. We had two of the best teams in baseball in one division. Now, just that doesn't always happen. That's pretty rare that you're going to see that. I think, again, the American League is going to be a race again this year between the Yankees and the Red Sox. Not, not saying you count the Astros out, but it's going to be a race. To, who's at the top of the AL is going to be the Yankees and Red Sox. And I think the Yankees have the edge. And when we come back, we're going to finally get into that JT Real Muto discussion, talk about the implications for the Phillies and the Marlins, what they got back in return. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration.
1: Tune in to Preferred Walk-On, a weekly sports talk show, updating you on everything Mizzou and professional sports. Chase Phillips, Ben Krakow, and Garrett Jones hit the airwaves at 4 o'clock every Friday with balanced and Insightful Sports Talk. We also bring on a variety of guests in studio and over the phone from Columbia and around the SEC to give national insight and perspective. And when we've had enough, you won't want to miss Get It Off Your Chest, our ending segment where we blast what's driving us crazy in sports over the mid-Missouri airwaves. Join us for year two on KCU in Columbia, worldwide on KCU.FM in the blue box and in the TuneIn radio app.
0: Hi and tight on KCU 88.1 FM, Logan from Wilson Trong. JT Realmuto has finally gotten a new home. We've been Waiting on this for about a year now. And guess where he landed up? Ended up, landed. Guess where he is? I'll give you a hint. I'm wearing their hat right now. Miami? Listen, it is not Miami. He's in Philadelphia. The city of brotherly love, my hometown. Great place. Real Muto's going to enjoy, hopefully, a Tony Luke's cheesesteak. My favorite. Wilson, this is a... Really good trade from our eyes in the Phillies' perspective. Uh, Marlins got a decent return on their end. And this could be huge as far as what they can bring to the table now when making offers to other players. What do you think this trade... First of all, how does it impact the Phillies? uh, Of course, in a very strong now, NL East.
1: On a long-term standpoint, I think... It could help the fi- the Phillies. Look, they gave up a pretty gigantic call of Cisco Sanchez, Stewart, and Jorge Afalo. but I think the biggest takeaway is they didn't trade away Luis Garcia. I, from what I've been reading about Garcia, I think I think they the Phillies expect that Garcia is going to be their top prospect next year, and from what he, he's looking so far in the minors, it's been that's he probably is. And I'm gl- I'm surprised that the Phillies were able to keep him. But on a major league standpoint, right right now, I think it fixes one of their holes right now because who's their catcher, who's their starting catcher as of right now before Ramunto?
0: It was Jorge Alfaro.
1: It was Jorge Alfaro.
0: Jorge Alfaro and then you had uh, Andrew Knapp getting a few reps okay. in that catcher.
1: Yeah, so that obviously fills in a big hole because let's be honest, Jason Ramunto is the best catcher right now. It's Without not a doubt. It's it's not Buster Posey, it's J.T. Ramunto. and from a long term standpoint, for, for they could bring in someone, let's say, a Bryce Harper. Now they could make Bryce Harper more enticing to want to join Philadelphia because now you have a almost complete team. You have no holes right now, and if they could bring Bryce Harper, they have they're gonna have a amazing offseason. They already have a successful one. They're going to have a r- amazing one. And that's my biggest takeaway from J.T. Ramuto.
0: I was actually talking with a, uh, another KCOU member with the, about the uh, offseason of the Yankees and I said, you know, they bring Machado, they win. They win the offseason. The Phillies bring in Harper, though, after this Real Muto deal. I think they win the offseason. Now, here's the thing. Real Muto fills in a spot defensively at catcher that they have not had since Carlos Ruiz. Carlos Ruiz was a great defensive catcher, you know, not the best, but he was way better than their, his successors in uh, Cameron Rupp, Alfaro, Nap. No one has been able to fill the shoes of Carlos Ruiz. I think Real Muto's is the guy to do it. Now, here's the thing: they gave up Sixto Sanchez, like you mentioned, uh, a couple. I believe it was a uh, yeah Jorge Alfaro, uh, international money,
1: and Stewart,
0: and Stewart. I think that's a fair trade for a win-right-now mentality team. And you know their win mentality right now because they went out and they got McCutcheon. They made a trade for Segura. They acquired David Robertson to amplify their bullpen. I think overall this deal makes the Phillies more enticing for Harper. In turn, could make them better than the Braves. Now, do I think they're better than the Braves at the current moment?
1: We have to find out.
0: I'm not sure. I think we have to wait for spring training, which, by the way, pitchers and catchers report uh, this week. So, I think we just have to wait and see. I think team chemistry, I think, again, how good the Braves are. But I think this really team could be the team that gets them back to the top of the NL East. Maybe not the team that gets them five consecutive NL East titles in a row. But nonetheless, we'll help them compete. And we talk about Harper being in the mix with the Phillies, of course. He has met with a few other teams, Padres, Giants, uh, names that were have been thrown around recently. Does the Real Muto deal, though, make it more likely that Harper would sign with the City of Brotherly Love? Now, mind you, the lineup would consist of Harper, McCutcheon, uh, Aduba Herrera would be in there. Hoskins, Segura, Franco, Cesar Hernandez, and uh, Skingery at a platoon spot, and then of course Riomuto in that in that lineup. Do you see Harper being on that opening day roster in the lineup in a Phillies uniform because of this deal?
1: I don't. I don't know right now because. Look, we've been getting mo- a lot of teams like the past two weeks. We had, we suddenly got like, the Padres last week. We got this, we suddenly got the the San Francisco Giants just recently. And right now, like, we have to wait because according to what reports are say- saying, what Harper and Machado are doing is what in the NFL, what Cleo Mack and Aaron Donald did. They don't want to sign first, they want the, the other person to sign first so they can go higher than them. And right now, I think Harper to the Phillies is a, is still th- his top lane spot but until one of them signs and one of them just puts their all go goes all in with their hand I I would expect Harper to won't sign until maybe March
0: I can agree with that. I just think that he will be in a Phillies uniform. And I'm not saying that because I have a Undying love for the Phillies. I mean, like I do, but... It's not... That, that's not why I think Harper's going to land with the Phillies. I think if he wants... Here's the thing. Harper's entering his age 26 season? 27? He's 26, 27 this year. Yeah, something like that. If he wants to win now, we know the Yankees aren't going to go after him, especially if they're making an offer to Manny Machado. Now, I'm not going to count them out, but it's I think it's highly unlikely that the Yankees are going to make a push for Harper at this point.
1: I don't think it's a possibility he goes to the Yankees at all.
0: See Exactly. You see my point. I don't think the Yankees are in the mix.
1: Too many outfielders.
0: So, that, and, and then you have to take into account that the Phillies have the highest payroll. So they're they more likely to be able to give him the money that he wants. Now, here's the thing. The Padres have a lot of good prospects in their system. We know that. They have 10 of the top 100. Yeah. We talked about that last week. Okay. That could be a landing spot, but the Padres aren't going to compete this year.
1: Probably next year, but not this year.
0: They're not going to compete for a few years. And the Giants are just, we've talked about it. So here's the thing. The Padres are too young. The Giants are too old. So you're talking a team that's got an aging Longoria, an aging Posey, an aging Brandon Crawford, who's really snuck under my radar. I didn't realize how old he was. An aging Brandon Belt.
1: Madison Bungarners is on the last year before free agency next year.
0: Yeah, so you're talking a team that's not you know, going to be winning for a long time with the guys they have if those guys, you know, even hang around the league for another, you know, three to five years. Or if they hang around the team at least. So I, that's the thing. I don't see the Giants as a, you know, landing spot for Harper because I don't see them winning anytime soon, especially with the Dodgers' young core. I think that the Giants just don't make... It doesn't make sense for him to go to the Giants. They're not going to compete. Isn't that not what he wants? He wants... Because here's the thing. He could have taken the money from the Nationals, but, you know, if he wants to watch the NLCS every year from his couch, you know, by all means, he should have just taken the money from the Nationals. I think the Phillies make the most sense because they're the most likely team out of the ones talking to him that can compete right now.
1: And another thing about Harper and and him going to the Yankees. Look... The Yankees—they're above the luxury tax line, and with the new CBA a couple of years ago, it now states that if you go above the luxury tax line, depending on like how much, like by twenty-five percent, twenty percent, etc., etc., you can lose draft picks. Like, it's going to be like the highest. Like, I'm pretty sure is a third round draft pick right now. But at the same time, for teams, they want to keep these draft picks and. If they sign Harper, what do they prefer? Paying Harper long-term money and losing a draft pick or keeping a draft pick and they could suddenly find a Mike Trout somehow? Now, granted, Mike Trout's a one-generation one player, but they can't risk their future over signing someone 10 years.
0: I agree with that. It's not worth you know, tossing 10 years of quality Yankee baseball down the drain. For just a big name player. Now, granted, he's a good player, but not worth not worth the draft picks and your future of your ball club. And now we talk about the future of the ball club. Do you think the Marlins got a fair return in this deal? Sixto Sanchez, Jorge Alfaro, international pool money, and Luis Stewart.
1: I think I think they got a fair trade because look, I think the biggest. Player from that trade was Sixto Chan- Sanchez because Sanchez he has some stuff he has to stuff the pitch near the top of ro- the rotation. The defies the I uh, excuse me, despite the fact that his he's small and and he's short. He can get he can get his fastball into triple digits on with some movement. He has a good breaking ball and his changeup flashes some above average, but Look, the Marlins—they're going to rebuild. There's no question. But and this is by far their best trade in the past few years. Look, they struck out on Stanton, Yelich, Ozuna, and right now, I think Sanchez is the best. And the other players are, are follow. He's going to be a nice replacement for J.T. Ramunto. And you know his problems. He his defense is lack lacking. And with the and Stewart, I think they got an okay prospect that. With that, a middle rotation player, and but the international poor money, I think will help them because, look, they signed Victor Victor Mesa, this or, earlier this year, who's by far their best prospect right now. I think that with Miami, which is a huge international jack jackpot hole, they can use that to bring in some international prospects in, and that's my biggest. And I think the Martin's got a fair return from that.
0: Fair said. When we come back, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, but first, actually, we have an announcement. KCOU will be live at Willie's. Don't miss this exciting opportunity to catch KCOU live at Willie's On Saturday, February 16th, from 12 p.m. to 2.30 p.m., our flagship sports Saturday show, No Huddle, will be live at Willie's and Bullwinkle's. The guys will be doing live trivia and giving out prizes in addition to breaking down Mizzou and college hoops, as well as the NBA. So come out and support KCOU live at Willie's and Bullwinkles next Saturday, again, 12 p.m. to 2.30 p.m., and stay for the game as Mizzou men's basketball takes on Ole Miss right after the show. And when we come back, we're going to talk about our favorite dictator, Rob Manfred. Stay with us.
1: Stay up late with true false new for 2019 the stay up late wristband is perfect for music lovers who also want a taste of true false films and parties You'll get access to all music concerts and showcases free queuing for films starting 9 p.m Or later and admission to the infamous reaction dance party for prices and for more information, please visit truefalse.org.
0: Looking for a fun night out in
1: colombia check out a concert at cafe berlin Looking for that great brunch after a fun night? Cafe Berlin has you covered for that too. Check out their stacked concert schedule and brunch menu at CafeBerlinComo.com or check them out at 220 North 10th Street. Also, follow them on Twitter and Facebook at Cafe Berlin and on Instagram at Cafe Berlin Como. Indoor baseball, anyone? Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Chris Mitchell. You know, that one guy from The One Show. Don't you hate it when you're listening to the radio and not once do you hear anyone talk about video games for extended periods of time? Introducing Quarter Circle Backboard, a solo show dedicated to the sports that you like and the video games that I like. Catch me, myself, and I every Friday from 11 to midnight to hear me chop it up about things like Street Fighter tournaments, the NFL Draft, Red Dead Redemption, and hoops! is short. Oh, and fight breaks up between Kobe Bryant and Chris Childs. Chris Childs punched him twice. What could possibly go wrong?
0: High and tight on KCOU 88.1 FM. Very muggy day in Columbia, Missouri. Wish we could have last week's weather back. It was in the 60s. Last week or something, and now it's in the 30s, and, you know, it's just killing my mood. (laughs) Nonetheless, we're going to get into a heated debate over possible rule changes uh, from Rob Manfred, Commissioner of Baseball. A lot of proposed changes, not all coming from the commissioner's office. Uh, A few of these actually, I believe the last one I'm going to discuss came from an insider from The Athletic. But nonetheless, Wilson, you have a little game for us.
1: So yeah, we're going to play a game of buy or sell So I'm going to give you a a, a, rule, a rule change
0: Potential rule change
1: And you're going to say, do you like, if you're buying it or not And I will do that too And we will keep doing this Until We run, we run out of rules so
0: Well, don't worry people, we got <laughs> We got a long list here We got time to kill So, let's start it off with The disabled list or as I should say now, the okay. This is not a potential rule. This is actual a natural change. The disabled list is now the injured list because it's not politically correct to say disabled. Wilson, buying it or selling it?
1: I'm selling it because let's be honest. Look, throughout, like we say, people when we say someone's injured, we say, "I'm on the DL right now." Now we're suddenly changing it to the IL. like Ugh. that doesn't that doesn't sound right. Like DL, it's we've been saying DL for what years now. And changing and just deciding to change it to the I. O, it just It doesn't make sense. It doesn't sound right. And like I I like DL and I'm selling this one.
0: I'm with you on this one. Again, it's a minor change. It doesn't affect the actual game on the field. So I shouldn't really care that much, right? But then here's the thing. I've grown up loving baseball as it is. Um, we talk about this all the time. I'm a traditional guy. I like how the game is. I don't see the need to change it. For me to have to say IL, like, oh, I'm on the IL, I don't like that. You For the last 18 years of my life, and since the 1960s, we've been saying, oh, he's going to go on the disabled list. He's on the DL. The 15 day deal, the 16 day deal, or the six, 16, 60 day deal. I get it. Political correctness is important. You know, we don't want to be offend. The MLB does not want to be offending anybody just for their, to say, oh yeah, these are the guys that are injured. Check out this list. I get it, but it's a, such a minute change. Does it really matter? It, I get it. It doesn't matter as far as on field play is concerned. But why change something that's, been around for over 50 years now. I, I'm, I'm selling this. I don't like this rule at all. Um, I don't like this change at all.
1: Another rule, another thing that i might saying is, they might make the 10-day DL go back to the 15-day DL. So, Logan, are you buying or selling that?
0: I'm going to have to... Ooh, that's a tough one. I'm going to have to Sell that too. I mean, five days does it really matter? If you put listen, if you put on the fifteen day DL means you can't, you know, you cannot use that player fifty for fifteen days they're off. Ten days, five, fifteen days, it's a matter of, you know, ha, you know, not even a full week. I don't really think that this I think that might be the most insignificant change that has been proposed. So I'm just selling it because I think it's stupid.
1: I'm buying it because Look, before I, I when I came to the game, we were talking about 15-day placing players on the 15-day DL, and going back to it, I like it. I mean, it, it has been scientifically proven that it has helped pitchers more than the 10-day DL has, and I think it's, it it helps them.
0: So we will not be going back to the 15-day DL. It's 15-day I.L.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, another rule they're also saying is they want to increase the option time if with the 15-day DL, so are you buying or selling that?
0: I'm buying that. I like the idea of having the option to extend them on that disabled. Well, now the injured list. You know, if they're not ready to come back and play on the field, give them more time. I think that's fair enough. I think it's going to be beneficial for not only pitchers but all for players of all positions. It's going to be worth the uh, worth I'm gonna, worth it in the I'm interest gonna, in the players. I'm
1: gonna, I'm gonna rub you real quick. It's not on the DL. It's sending them down to the majors and for fifteen days and calling them up.
0: Oh, sending them down to the AAA. Yeah, yeah. No, I no. I if think it's that, the sa- I think it's the same concept. I think it's still a good idea.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good idea too. Because look, you have to. We still have to understand these are young players, and are we really going to throw them into the, into the wind and just let them face Erodis Chapman their first at bat? No. I mean, like, we're not trying to like, destroy their lives. We're trying to help them become successful. Help, ma- help them make us make the, your team win. And if that involves more off time, I like it. Another offseason rule is letting re- pitchers f- face a minimum of three batters. Slogan: Are you buying or selling that?
0: I'm selling that. That's ridiculous. You have the, oh, I can't remember the acronym. I mean, like, I know I'm not because I'm not going to try to remember it, but it's the one-out lefty guy. He comes in, he gets one out, and he leaves. I get it. It takes a little bit more time when you have one guy come in throw three pitches and say, all right, tap your wrist, let's get another guy in. But I like the idea that they say baseball lacks strategy. That's strategy. If you know that you're going to have Harper coming up, followed by, well, let's say he goes to the Phillies, for example. Harper comes up to hit. Your lineup is this. Harper, Real Muto, Hoskins. You bring in a reliever, a left-handed reliever, to get Harper down. Now, again, cool. Call to the bullpen. Get a right in to take down Rio Muto and Hoskins. I like that. It's strategic. It's smart. The fact that you're saying, oh, well, you got to have a batter, you know, or have a pitcher face a minimum of three batters, I think takes it takes strategy out of baseball that people think baseball already lacks. So in my opinion, you're really taking out one of the one of the more intriguing aspects of the game. Because again, you know, it's not like football or basketball where you run plays that you're using strategy to literally play the game. Again, baseball is more of a, you know, I don't, I don't want to say it lacks strategy, but there's not a, enough of it that's noticeable. That to me is strategy in baseball. So you're taking away that aspect of the game. I'm selling this one. I'm actually
1: buying this one. Because I'll explain why. L- listen, one of the problems baseball has is the games are too long, and that's mostly because, in my opinion, it's because of the bullpen. Players are getting smarter, stuff like that, and then you have, you have players like uh, with Cardinals back in twenty thirteen, Randy Cho coming in for the, like you said, one out lefty, lefty. Listen, if if the if only a pitcher comes in only and they have to face three batters it it involves more strategy they have to fix, it has to make their the pitches has to be better. they have to be more decisive in where they throw the ball because for a relief pitcher they're trying to just throw as hard as they can. that's basically it and best case scenario for a pitcher you're either gonna with the three minimum badge you're either going to get a one two three inning or you're gonna allow three runs that's I'm buying this one. Another, another rule is having the, having the NL have a DH, which would be a universal DH in both leagues. Logan, are you buying or selling this?
0: I'm actually going to buy this. Now, again, I said I am a fan of traditional baseball. I like the fact that right now one league has a DH, one league doesn't. I like that in that it's unique. What, if you go to the AFC and NFC in football, they're kind of the same. If you go to the East and West in basketball, they're kind of the same. You know, there's uh, it's about region. The American League, okay, hey, these guys have DHs. They Their pitchers don't hit. the Ameri- and the National League, these guys hit. And I think that's part of the uniqueness because, again, it's the winner of the American League and the National League. And I think also, you know, when you take into account, you know, Uh, At the World Series, you know, home field advantage, who's going to get four games, who's going to get three, I think it's a unique factor to say, oh, hey, well, these guys, say uh, you're playing four games in a National League ballpark, these guys have to hit. Or these pitchers have to hit now that don't hit during the season. I think it's unique, but at the same time, it's a disadvantage. And we see Universal DH throughout all a bunch of lower levels of baseball prior to the major leagues. I'm buying this because it just makes the league a little bit more uniform, and it doesn't give necessarily an advantage uh, to NL pitchers when they have to hit an When You know what I mean. It gives an advantage to one league.
1: I'm going to say this real quick. Well, yes, it's fun to see a massive Baumgartner, Bartolo Colon, and Jake Area hit. The number nine spot is usually the weakest, but the weakest spot in the lineup. And let's be honest, do we really need to see a pitcher hit
0: I mean, well, okay, but here's the thing. There's a guy on the Reds. Can't remember the name. Michael Lorenzen. Lore- Lorenzen. Dude can hit. Yeah. I'd like to see him hit. Yeah, yeah. Dude can hit, and that I I'm buying
1: the DH thing. But what Lorenzen is he could come in and bat the DH spot, and he doesn't, and they could switch it and they could remove the DH and put him in. It's possible, but I'm buying, I'm buying the DH thing, and because my biggest takeaway. is Of this is, it will help the pitchers. I mean, let's look at Adam Wainwright a couple years ago. Dude was having a good stretch of the season before he got injured, and he he was projected to be out for the year, and he came back in August and pitched as a reliever. He was decent, but he hasn't been the same since. I'm liking the university DH. Another thing we're talking about, they want to talk about, is having a single trade deadline. I know, now, most people think there's only one trade deadline. The MLB doesn't really have a trade deadline. <laughs> it, it It's just different days where players are eligible in the postseason. So, Logan, are you buying the single summer trade deadline?
0: Nope, absolutely not. I, I just—here's the thing. I think it's more interesting to see guys get traded at the July 31st trade deadline, and then if someone doesn't get moved— I like to follow it to see them get moved in the non waiver trade deadline, which is, I believe, August 31st? It's a month after? Yeah. Exactly. And that if you don't make that trade deadline, you're still eligible to be traded, but you can't play in the postseason. Yeah. So that's why... Here's the thing. People go, oh, you can't make trades. No. You can make trades whenever in baseball. It's just a matter of, are they eligible for the postseason? So that's why you don't ever see a trade in September, which... I mean, at that point, if you're trying to, you know, add anybody to your team in September, you might as well not be competing. Or you're, you know, you're barely scratching the surface there to compete. I'm not buying this because I think it adds a little bit, again, it adds another element to the game that other sports don't have. We wait in the middle, we're waiting in the middle of the season for guys to get traded. And even after our, you know, official trade deadline, there's still a little bit of, oh, is he going to go? Is he going to go?
1: I agree. Look, look. Someone of the trade, the July 31st, there's nothing wrong with the trade deadline. The deadline's fine, honestly, because it's still entertaining. Now, look, if you, if we were talking about this in the NFL, sure, go ahead. But the MLB trade deadline's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It, If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I agree with you on all your points. They also talk. They also are talking about roster expansion from to moving guys up tw- to 26 guys and then have moving it up to 28 in September instead of doing the whole 40-man call-up. Logan, are you buying or selling this?
0: Oh, you know me. I am not buying this at all. I am selling this. And now here's why. You, you get the, you know, September call-ups. I think that's great. You know, these guys are finally getting to feel the atmosphere of a big league roster, big league clubhouse. Why do that for three guys? It To me, to me, and this is, again, another minute change that doesn't really affect the on-field play that I think it just doesn't need to be changed. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I love the 40-man rosters. I, listen, I'd love to see a packed dugout during the postseason and in September. There's no reason to change there's just no reason to change it. I'm selling
1: it. I am buying and selling this both. I'll tell you why. I'm bu- look, I'm buying on the roster expansion to 26 guys because look, I, I think the 40-man call thing is the most stupidest thing in baseball outside. besides the fact that the All-Star game was determined who home field advantage. Those two were the most stupidest things I ever thought. Yeah. And the thing is, they don't call up all forty. They only call up like maybe thirty-two guys usually. So they don't call up all forty. And I don't like the fact that it's moving up to twenty-eight in September. It was I would move up, move it up to thirty. That would be fine. But I, I'm buying. I am buying this. Another thing they're talking about also is having draft advantage for winning teams. So like giving the the team with the highest record, the first overall pick. Logan, are you buying or selling this?
0: I'm selling this. It it does not make sense. And I'll use the Astros in a, as an example. And I'll also mention, because it kind of ties in, and we were going to talk about it anyway, the penalties for teams that lose more than 90 games in consecutive seasons. That's also part of that. Why? The, Ast- the 2017 Astros were arguably one of the m- most fun teams to watch. Funnest. funny. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, they were they were a great team to watch. They were. I grew up with them as like the laughing stock of Major League Baseball. And if you implement a rule like this, it's going to take teams that, when they're the laughing stock of baseball, it's going to make them harder to get out of the hole that they're in. I think the way that the draft works, again, helps teams get out of the hole of, no offense, being garbage. And when you do that, it creates more competition in the league. So I th- I'm selling this. No no draft advantages.
1: No. I'm selling this too. I agree with all your points. Another thing they're also talking about is permitting contracts for two-sport athletes. Or in which case, the Connor Murray it is the Connor Murray rule. Logan, are you buying and selling this?
0: I'm buying this all the way. Here's the thing. If you feel... That this guy's going to help you, and especially in the Kyler Murray situation, if this guy's going to help you and he is willing to sign two contracts, bring him on. I don't see why they have to make a rule. It really does justice to the league in that, especially in this case, like the scenario that's was floating around. Kyler Murray can play for the A's while also being in the draft. I think it's a good deal not only for the players, and again, if the players want to tax their bodies that way, that's up to them. But if you if they're willing to do that, by all means, allow Kyler Murray to be both an NFL quarterback and a Major League Baseball player. I'm buying it.
1: I'm buying it, too. I agree with you on all your point. Another thing, now, the last thing we're going to talk about, adding the 20-second pitch clock, Logan, as a baseball purist, you are, Are you buying or selling?
0: I'm selling, and here's the thing. I'm a pitcher myself. I play for our club team here at Mizzou. Uh, I pitched throughout high school. You know, maybe not a lot, but I pitched. Especially on, you know, I pitched. I like to take my time. I might have taken 30 seconds in between pitches, if not longer. I'm not for a pitch clock. I'm not for anything that really speeds up the game. Not only... Does it to me feel unnatural? but it's to me saying, okay, here, you have to throw this ball off in this amount of time. I don't like that. I just think it's it's not it's not a good idea. sell it.
1: I am buying this because I'll tell you I'll explain why. Look, i I think one reason why this baseball is boring is the time it takes for pitchers to get ready. I think I I have to go back, but I'm pretty sure like a couple years ago, you had like Jumbo Diaz taking 40 seconds to get ready for a pitch. 40 seconds is way too long. And it just, it, there's nothing to do between those seconds. Like, it's just boring. And look, they are implemented in the minor leagues. And it, 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 it has worked in the minor leagues. Like, nothing has been wrong about it. And I think if they bring it up to the major leagues, pitchers we can adjust just like the fact that, with the mound visits thing, like, six mound visits, that's perfectly fine. I agree with that. And I think the game needs to speed up a little bit. And I think with the 20-second pitch clock, with, look, the NFL has the 40-second uh, play clock. The NBA has the 24-second shot clock.
0: Well, that's because they're time sports.
1: Yeah. And baseball plus, is not. Yeah. But, th- but the thing is, baseball can last a, full, a whole day, and it it just doesn't end. It's I think the beauty ba- of it. I think. What baseball does, if it it can speed up the game, I'm all for it. Because, let's be honest, baseball is boring.
0: No, it's not. Patience is a virtue. Uh, Coming up, we're going to head to commercial rate. Coming
1: up, we talk about Frank Robinson and his legendary career next on High and Tight. The station design with the student voice in mind. KCOU-FM. Did you know that more than 80% of True Falls volunteers are local residents and students? With the energy and creative spirit of nearly 1,000 people working on more than 30 different teams, you can help make True Falls 2019 a great fest. True Falls still needs hundreds of volunteers for placement on teams, including setup, breakdown, theater operations, hospitality, merchandise, box office, sustainability, and more. Go to volunteer.trufalse.org for more information and to complete an application. KCOU would like to thank Cafe Berlin for their support. Check out Café Berlin's delicious and diverse brunch menu at CaféBerlinComo.com. Looking for a fun night out in Colombia? Check out Café Berlin's live music calendar on their website as well. Thank you, Café Berlin, for your continued support of KCOU Colombia 88.1 FM.
0: Them enough to turn off your
1: music and pretend like their music is your music. Ah, oh, this is mommy's jam. Then surely you'll check nhtsa.gov/the right seat to make sure they're in the right car seat. Let's play it again. Check today at nhtsa.gov/the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. On Wednesday, February 13th, KCOU presents Lucy Dacus at Rose Music Hall with Rafco and Illuminati Hotties. Doors are at 7.30 and the show is at 8.30 p.m. Advanced tickets are available now at rosemusichall.com. Welcome back to High and Tight. Wilson Tron here alongside Logan Perone, And our final segment of the day, we're going to talk about Frank Robertson. Recently he passed away a couple of days ago and the baseball world has been shocked about it. Logan, what was your most memorable thing about Frank Robinson?
0: I think just as a player it was his ferocity. He would he was one of those guys that if he slide into a second he's going to try and spike you, you know, he played with such compet. you know, or he very competitive. I couldn't get that out. Very competitive. And it kind of transitioned this that competitiveness into his managerial career. He loved to win. I, know, I remember a time or a story where the, he had uh, taken a catcher out because he was 0 for 6 on guys stealing on him in that game. And then he cried after the game because he didn't want to take him out. And by the way, very emotional guy. Dude wore his emotions on his sleeve. But he's a very... Very competitive guy, and he would do anything it takes to win. And when he lost it, killed him. Like, he was down and out a lot of the times when they got beat bad. So, that's probably one of my most memorable things, other than the fact that, you know, he just completely, I want to say, brought a whole different level of... It just brought a whole different perspective to the game. I mean, he was the first black manager in Major League Baseball as well. So, again, he was... Doing, making strides in the game at that time as well, and again, it's just very sad to hear his passing. It's not, not a happy day in baseball. On, I believe it was Wednesday.
1: Yeah, obviously, with Frank Robinson, we know the fact that he won an MVP in both leagues, which is that's an amazing accomplishment. He's the only ever player to do so, and the the fact is, it was the that he got. He got traded when he got traded from Cincinnati to Baltimore. Reds fans re- probably regret that trade because it was by far their worst trade they have ever made. But I think one of my favorite moments of Frank Robinson was when he was a manager for the Nationals and he just st- had a stare down with the um for like a few minutes. That was like that was funny. And another thing I, that reminded me of Frank Robinson was he pl- that his teammate Brooks Robinson, no relation whatsoever. They played throughout their entire careers together. They acted, like they pretended to be brothers, like, like because like they both had the same name, Robinson, but they were not related whatsoever. And they played that. T- they acted like they were brothers, <laughs> and, and the fact of matters, this reminds me of the LeBron James, Dwayne Wade relationship with Bro- Brooks Robinson and Frank. Like these guys will lo- lo- love each other, they respect each other, and they were gr- good players with each other. Rest in peace, Frank Robinson.
0: Yes, rest in peace indeed. Definitely smashing baseballs up in the sky, but that is going to do it for us here on High and Tight on ksoU 88.1 FM. For Wilson Trong, my co-host, I'm Logan Prone. We'll see you next week when we talk everything baseball and then some. Have a good day, guys.